0: Yes, boys and girls, episode 186 with the lovely James Earls is about to start, and this episode is jam-packed and filled with everything to do with fascia, body tissue, connective tissue, and anything that you would expect a RMT would know. Uh, If you don't know who James is, he's all the way out in the UK and travels the entire world presenting on the topic of fascia and self-release and any kind of, you know, massage technique or, you know, self-manual soft tissue work. And I get his opinion on, you know, vibrating foam rollers, a Theragun, and anything to do with any kind of modality that helps improve tissue quality. So without further ado, Here's James, hopefully you enjoy it. Hello boys and girls, welcome back to another episode of Cut the Shit, Get Fit. I'm your host, Rafał Matuszewski, and joining me today is James Earls. Say hello.
1: Hi, hi, Rafał, hi everyone.
0: Uh, perfect, so I always like to start the show with some like easy lobbying questions just to get the juices flowing. So the first easy question, what do you got planned for the weekend?
1: Oh, I've got a weekend off. I've been teaching uh, four weekends in a row. Um, including three weeks over in the in the US, I was in Chicago, Seattle, and Sarasota, and then came back on a Tuesday morning, overnight flight, and then was teaching Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So thank God I've got a a weekend <laughs> off. Um, so I've got a plate session booked for the morning, Saturday morning, and other than that, I think it's um, bed. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, maybe a movie and just just chilling.
0: There you go. Um, how, do you like travel, or like, are you one of those people that like dreads getting onto a plane and sitting there for hours without a
1: hand? Um, I can go either way. Uh, yeah. Sometimes it's, um, it's I crave that kind of that quiet cocoon kind of time, yeah. um, just kind of no no distractions, no emails, no no phone calls, no nothing, um, and I can just you know either watch a movie or crack through the emails that have kind of built up. Uh, and then other times it's just ah oh, bloody hell, the bloody airport security yet again, and yeah. taking those off and putting them back on, and all the hassles of particularly U.S. immigration. Yeah. Um, I always think they have a little kind of breeding commune somewhere in the Rockies for just to kind of inbreed that amount of paranoia. (laughs) We we don't care how long these queues are. We're the important people, and we're just going to make sure that everyone has to suffer.
0: Yeah. Uh, Speaking of traveling, what's your favorite place to travel to?
1: Um, I have two favorite currents favorite cities. Uh, one is Edinburgh up in Scotland because it's, it's so rich in, in history and architecture mm-hmm. and then the other one I was just in a few, few weeks ago was Chicago. because so I just think that again the, the modern architecture there is just stunning and the people are lovely and uh, the food is great and the, the music is awesome. Awesome.
0: Um, what's the current
1: book you're reading? I have just started a kind of Part horror thriller called Bird Box. Oh, nice! So Third of the way through it. I, I wanted something kind of a bit chilling for Halloween. <laughs> uh, I, I started late, but um, but I'm, I'm I'm getting there.
0: Okay. Are but, you a type of person that reads only one book at a time, or like multiple ones?
1: Uh, yeah, I often have uh, three or four on the go. Um, so I try to have maybe one one fiction, probably one kind of. Personal growthy kind of business growthy kind of uh, inspirational, and then there's probably two kind um, of more textbooks uh, that that we'd be yeah. referring yeah. to at any one time. But okay. uh, I'm trying to get it under control because I you know, <laughs> think like, like many offices in this field, we all have the the pile beside the bed. Uh, yeah. Um Beside the desk, and you know, beside the armchair, and everywhere else. All
0: right. Uh, last easy questions because it's interesting. Um, are you a type of person that likes to watch TV series, movies, or not at all?
1: Um. Yeah. Well, it will either be a, a movie or a TV series, On um, occasion, I, I do like a good documentary. Um. It's the you know I'm lucky enough to live in the UK where the BBC do them usually pretty well. Um. So I do like TV, uh, I'm not a movie buff, I, you know, I, I tend to see a movie as my, just mind fluff, um, I just sit back and, and relax and, and enjoy it rather than I don't overdo it, that's probably why I, I probably watch more TV than I do movies. Okay, fair yeah. enough.
0: Um, so to get this thing started, can you do a little intro of who you are, what you do and how did you get into this industry?
1: Okay, Um, so originally I'm from a small town just south of Belfast, Northern Ireland. That's why I have a slightly odd accent. Um, And I got into this partly this field, uh, I'm a body worker, I got into that partly just to avoid working for a a living. Um, I went through school, as, as you know, I stayed in, in it as long as I could, did a degree in psychology um, just to avoid work and then I did a year's voluntary work at a peace and reconciliation centre and I had just developed an interest in the central oils and then at the peace and reconciliation centre I was working with a woman who'd done some massage, we started doing little kind of mini workshops together and that's really kind of sparked my interest and it was in the early 90s and aromatherapy was com- coming more online as a as a semi-professional training and so when by the time i i was kind of i stayed my welcome um for long enough at the uh at peace and reconciliation Centre, i decided that i would train in, in bodywork, and did that for a couple of years and then um, kind of got got frustrated by the limitation in the early 90s in bodywork. There were only maybe three textbooks that were available, and there's very little good information that was around. And I was subscribing to an American Massage magazine, and I started collecting some of the articles in that, and some of those were written by a guy called Thomas Myers, who wrote the Anatomy Trains book. And so I started investigating his work a little more, And I started commuting between Belfast and Boston to do the structural integration training with with him. So, uh, with kind of looking at the the myofascial continuities uh, that he uses as kind of the framework for the structural integration uh, program. So, that was around 2000, 2001. And then in 2005, I started teaching for him. And became responsible for anatomy trains and the, the, then the structural integration training um, through Europe, and um, really it's just been I've been building different different aspects, different viewpoints, um, different theories, um, blending them into into that work over the last well, really over the last ten years, but you know it's, it started way back in the in the early nineties.
0: Awesome is the like the term bodywork, kind of a term used out in the uk because out here like if someone wants to become a massage therapist and they're kind of in that gap where they wrote their final exams and they're kind of just waiting to see the results they're legally allowed to call themselves body workers but not technically rmt's just yet so is that a term like out in the uk if you became an rmt you could just say you're a body worker or is it something different
1: yeah, I'm, I'm probably using it in the, the widest sense of the term, so in the sense that just anyone who works on the body and kind of manual therapy. Uh, we don't have a particularly strong licensing system here, so um, but there's no protection of, of title for massage therapists, manual therapists, um, body workers. They're all um, loosely defined terms um, compared to, in, in the UK, we have um, protection of title for uh, physiotherapy, osteopathy and chiropractic um, so there would be only three titles that would be legally defined um, so whenever I say body worker I, I probably mean probably in, in my head a, a body worker to me would probably be um, trained above and beyond um, basic and science therapy but I know in, in Canada science therapy is, is, is much more complex almost kind of ther- physical therapy, physiotherapy kind of equivalent. Um so it's it is quite a different kind of uh, way in which we use the words here
0: yeah because like here in Canada like to get into massage therapy I think it's either two or three years of school and mm-hmm. it's like very like extensive like they go through a lot of stuff like I almost think it's more difficult than becoming a physiotherapist because I have uh, two people in the clinic I work with who are waiting for the results and like the amount of studying and what they had to learn is a crazy to me because I don't mm-hmm. know like in Canada you can be- become a physio pretty easily as long as you have you know a degree in kin or human kinetics but yeah I'm kind of curious like what how what got into f- for you like what kind of sparked your interest to get into the line of work you're in now
1: I'm um, with the structural integration it was probably uh, a frustration with the the very basic massage therapy that I had been taught. So back in the early nineties over here, it was it was minimal training. So a couple hundred hours, as opposed to the the few thousand hours that that you would have in, in Canada. Um, anyway, in those couple hundred hours, we were taught everything that we needed to know about rheumatology, application massage, uh, anatomy, physiology. And, you know the, the the ethics and management around uh, dealing with clients and um, so you know it was it was rubbish <laughs> essentially so I got into it um, into the, the, the kind of the facial work because I was I was always looking for something that was more complex a little bit more satisfying that um, answered um, a lot of the, the reasons why clients were coming to me, um, you know, they, they would come, they'd be pointing at their aches and pains and, you know, trying and fix me. And I was, you know, well, in terms of manual therapy, all I had was a, a relaxation massage. There was nothing, very few specific skills. And, you know, I had done some work with with on Cheto with um, a few other um, osteopaths in and around the United Kingdom for trigger point work, muscle energy technique. And, and while they were very useful, um, what I started to see was actually that they were dealing with the manifestation of the, the symptoms and um, they were looking at, okay, so you've got dis- tissue dysfunction in the bit that you're pointing to, but why, w- why did it get there in the first place? How did it get there? And that's what I, I kind of saw a little bit of the, the bigger picture when uh, going to some of the early workshops with Tom and Tom Myers, looking at the overall structure. Which was something we all paid lip service to in the early stages of you know, holistic medicine. I mean look at the body as a as an entirety. But then in, in the bodywork world back then it was, well, we'll look at it in entirety, but you know, we'll use these skills for the bit that or bits that are sore. And with the structural vision kind of looking at well, you might be you might be having neck and shoulder pain, but that could be because your pelvis is in in a strange place. So can we get your pelvis back to where it should be? And that, that might re- and require work on your feet, balancing out your knees. You know, it, it could be anywhere else. It was looking at the, at the overall pattern. And so I, I worked in the, in the structural model for about 12 years. And then I came across the work of a wonderful uh, another physical therapist in, in the U.S., a guy called Gary Gray. So I was teaching a few anatomy students workshops. I, I, I can't remember where they were, but I said something, and somebody in the audience went, "Oh, that that sounds like something Gary Gray would say." And I, I had no idea who the heck this this guy was. So I, we, you know, explored the idea for a bit, and I thanked him, and we moved on. And you know, the, the story in my head, this was around 2010, 20, into 2011. The next weekend, I was teaching, and somebody else said, "Oh, that sounds like something Gary Gray would say," and. Uh, that kind of sounds vaguely familiar and we explored the idea and we moved on and the next weekend I was teaching somewhere else and somebody said oh that sounds like something I I thought Gary Gray and he went yeah Gary Gray would say and you know that that night I went back to the hotel room and googled you know who the hell is Gary Gray and all of this screaming stuff kind of came up and I explored and found out a little bit more about him and was inspired to, to go to San Diego and I sat in a hotel room, conference room, and listened to their story. And they were talking very physical therapy language, using a very th- physical therapy language of bones and joints. And I was sitting there, always going, oh, you "No, know, shut up about the bones and joints. It's all about the fascia." I've been teaching, you know, i been taught fascia for the last 10, 11 years. And you know, haven't they heard? You know, that you know, that this is so old school. And then. You know, one of the, one of the evenings that, during the workshop, I, I realized that actually what they're talking about could easily be put into the, the model that I've been using. And um, that actually there's a you know, there's a, a necessary overlap. The alignment and movement of the bones and joints has to overlap with the, the, the fascial and myofascial um, orientation. So really, it's a, it's a blending story. So in, you know, in, in that workshop, I, I decided I needed to sign up and, and get more of the, the kind of the functional movement that um, Gary Gray and the Gray Institute were talking about and investigate ways of looking at the uh, overlap into the myofascial um, system and looking at the, the kind of the efficiency mechanisms that the, the body utilizes because the joints are aligned in certain ways, they could send the forces into the myofascial system. And then that, that puts us quite often in, in position advantage, kind of the, the load to explode, for example, that um, Gary Gray would talk about a lot. Um, it was like, well, all of that is really in the in the, the myofascial mechanics and just going in the opposite direction helps you kind of load the, the tissue, make it a little more efficient. Um, and so that really kind of excited me. Um, and switch me on to, you know, um, we can as manual therapists, body workers, we can be working in a different way. We don't have to be just working passively on the table. But actually, you know, our role is to improve people's function, to improve their improve their success in the in the real world. But yet. We bring them into a room that's kind of, you know, closed off a little bit warmer, playing soft music, and we get them onto a table, and we do our work, and, you know, maybe we've before and after, give them a few orthopedic-specific assessments, and we're actually, um, they don't look like what they actually need to do. You know, they don't look like real movements. You know, they, they give good information, but they don't actually um, in. Don't actually give a real picture of what they're able or not able to do in the real world, and they, it certainly they don't train people to use the work that we've just done. And um, you know, just because you're, you're super spinitis and your can test and everything else is not a little better. So it doesn't actually mean that you're going to be able to change your light bulb a little bit more comfortably. You know, so, so over the, the last couple of years, being able to kind of incorporate functional movement principles alongside the the manual therapy principles and that's kind of that's that's what's been exciting me and kind of switching me on for the last um, probably four or five years
0: awesome um so speaking about fascia for those who are kind of new to it how do you explain it to like a brand new patient that just walked into the door of your clinic like what's kind of the couple things you want to get across for the individual to really understand it
1: Yep. I'm cool. um, the v- ne- Fast tissue is one of the, the main connective tissues. It's, the, it's the, the big connector in the body. It's the, the fabric that holds everything together, holds everything in place. And, you know, if I'm talking to a client, the easiest way to, to explain it, unless they're vegetarian would be, it's the, the silvery film that you, you you get whenever you're portioning chicken, um, you know, sometimes in meat, especially in lamb, if you've got a leg of lamb or something, um, you'll see that very definite kind of silvery bagging. And if you have a, a, a leg of lamb, you'll see it's kind of coming together to form the tendons. And so that's the stuff that we're trying to, to work with, um, as well as the muscles. And you know, that, that all of that bagging is going to be um, differently toned according to the tone of the muscles. So we're looking at that interaction between the um, the fibrous tissue that, that hold you together, as well as the kind of the neuroelectric tissue that is the muscle so we're always working that kind of interface to try and, and balance out the, the system to be as, as efficient and as pain-free as possible
0: awesome and then like i wanted to get into foam rolling because like now i think almost every retail store sells them and like everybody's just rolling before their workouts and they're always in pain but they tend to not get any better so i'm kind of curious on your thoughts of foam rolling in general if people should be doing it or is there a different technique that they should be following and kind of just start the convo from there?
1: Yeah um, I know there's, there's a lot of debate on going on you know, to some of the Facebook forums and it's like and there are those that you know swear by foam rolling and everyone needs to do it and those that swear at it uh, and there are those that, of us that just swear during it because um, it can be kind of painful it can be kind of unforgiving. But I think for me some of the frustrations around the, the research is um, it's kind of, it's almost like a blunt tool, um, you know, the, the, the thick, hard rollers and just kind of massing up and down your IT bands. It's like, you know, to me, there's no, there's no good or bad tool. There's this good or bad application. So it comes down to what, what are the effects I need to achieve? And where do I need to get it? And then what tool do I need to, to be able to, to access that tissue or that dynamic within the tissue? So, you know, the, the most common um, common kind of application abuse perhaps of of, uh, foam rolling would be the the IT band. And everyone thinks that they need to roll the IT band to release the IT band. And the IT band is just essentially a long tendon of tensor fasciae latae and the superior portion of glute max. And they're the contractile elements that determine a lot of the tension onto the IT band. So if you have a tight IT band, I said you know no point in rolling the IT band. Roll or release or massage, you know, use a a ball, the lacrosse ball or a tennis ball. Work on the muscle. So work on the, the, the abductors around the hip. And if you're getting, you know, if you are doing the IT band rolling, the IT band is in fascial terms is is thick, but in real terms really quite thin. So what you're actually doing in the in the IT band rolling is is not really applying pressure to the IT band itself, you're actually applying pressure into the, the vastus lateralis which is in underneath so it's deep to the, the IT band so you're applying compression to the vastus lateralis which you know, can be useful it can be trigger pointed and can have all of those kind of tender spots but you're not being specific to the, the kind of thin layer uh, that is the IT band so, you know, a lot of this kind of comes down to well, what, what other tools can I use to, to be able to access thinner layers. So I would use rather than conscious of know, ironing out, I would use a lot of um, lighter applications and using kind of me um, rotating on top. So rather than just kind of going long, you know, up and down the, the, the IT band, try a little bit of rotation, so you're getting the the, the femur turning inside the vastus lateralis and get, therefore getting the vastus lateralis to turn inside a little bit inside the, the IT band, which is just a, a portion of the, the bag that encompasses all of the muscles of the thigh. So there are many different different ways that we need to um, think about the tools. Well,
0: fair enough. Um, so say you're in a situation where you're walking in through a gym floor and you overhear a coach explaining foam rolling to a client and he or she says we're going to change the tissue quality by rolling every single day does that make you cringe or kind of like stop you in your tracks
1: i'm um, sorry it would stop me in the tracks and um, we you know and this is everyone responds in a different way. Everyone's tissues, you know, different because of genetics, because of you know, medical history, environmental history, dietary history, you know, movement history. Um, so everyone's going to respond in their own individual way. So I would, I we're never going kind to of make the trainer wrong. I'm not going to certainly interrupt their session anyway. So I come, you know, by the way, you know, don't you know who I am? It's like, you know, I'm I'm, I'm nobody. Um, so, you know, there is the potential to, to change people's tissue with intelligently, appropriately um, applied pressure. Um, you know, the, the Stecco family, that we were big in um, fascial manipulation, so the Stecco family coming out of Italy, they have a very, very strongly well-researched uh, physiotherapy approach, which is long-held... Uh, what well, their their method uses long-held, deep, um, sustained pressure, and you know they've shown that the hyaluronic the hyaluronic acid to water um, percentages change, and so with the with applying pressure, then you do get tissue change, and you know so yes, I think you know there is the you know. The, foam rolling could be used in that way and could be getting that kind of change, Um, but it requires, you know, rolling in the right place for the right amount of time um, with appropriate movement on top um, and correct tissue hydration and, you know, so many other things to to be in place. So, as a a kind of global statement, I would say, yeah, that could be possible. And we have shown that there are some research papers that show that yes, foam rolling can be can effectively increase length and um, reduce some of the stiffness in the tissue. Um, but we you know we have to be um, a little conservative with some of our statements.
0: Sure. fair sure. I don't know, Like I like explaining it to clients where you know maybe we won't change tissue quality but like your neurological tone will kind of come down where if you've been sitting for 10 hours at your desk and then you drove here, rolling on the back might actually make you feel better and then this workout it's going to, you're going to have better movement quality and then they're like, oh okay, that makes sense and most of the time when you get someone rolling on their back they tend to feel better and I like I'm a huge believer, if something makes you feel better, you probably should do it more often
1: Absolutely I would, yep, I am I think when thinking about some of the the, um, the, the questions that you suggested it's like what well, yeah one of my main points would be if it's if it helps you feel better that's a good thing keep it in if it you know makes you scream and scream in pain and you dread it then avoid it and there are so many other secondary benefits to the to kind of the foam rolling positions you know you're often in a stretch just to kind of get down onto the floor and get onto the roller and often you you're supporting your yourself or your body weight with your hands or sometimes supporting yourself uh, body weight with your you know one leg so you know, that starts switching your system on and kind of getting the, the tone going so yeah all of it, you know all of it's good um, i think I, I just kind of i I despair a little bit more with the sometimes the Near conflict that we get into in, in some of the forums of you know, oh, foam rolling is the best thing since slight spread. Oh, foam rolling is just evil, and, we, and you know, they should all be burnt. And you know, well, except that's going to be bad for the environment, so we just should kind of recycle them into you know, playgrounds or something. So, you know, that we, we need to stop being so extreme and so on. If it's if it works for a client, it, it works.
0: Oh, fair yeah. enough. Um, so I'm really curious about your opinion about these two products that have been kind of popping out everywhere are vibrating foam rollers and Theraguns. Like, especially the Theragun, I've been seeing it on like Instagram and Facebook always being advertised to me. So what's your thought? Like can these two things actually do better than just your typical foam roller or even a massage therapist?
1: <laughs> well, I've, I would have to go and kind of defend my profession and say that they're never going to be as good as a, as a massage therapist. What well, they may be cheaper and they may be more available, um, and certainly, you can more appropriately use it yourself in, in your, you know, at, at home in your bedroom. Um, so all of that is a and it is an advantage. You can be more regular with um, the application. Um, May save you a few pounds of dollars over the over the months and years. Um, and I think. I think, yeah, it has got epidemic almost that every phone rolling company is now adding some kind of vibration tool in inside of it and, you know, they're, they're doing that for a reason and, and it has been been shown some of the, the, the research is saying that, yeah, with the application of vibration at uh, particular uh, frequencies and oscillations and tempos, then again, we can be improve, getting some increased um, benefit. So you know, that seems that seems like a good idea, and, and probably, um, again, it would be applying that tool in the right place at the, with the right frequency for the the right client. I haven't. I haven't I'll be honest. My my bias is towards you know, using my, my hands, elbows, and fists, and um, so I don't delve into the into the, the research as, as much as I, I maybe could, Um but. You know, many of the papers that I glance over show yeah, the, that the vibration can be a good thing. In terms of the Theragun, um, I go, yeah, well, if it makes you feel better, then fine. It might be a bit more expensive than some of the vibrating foam rollers, which are more expensive than a foam roller, which are more expensive than just going out and buying a tennis ball. Um, or going to the local sports shop or whatever and, and getting a, a, a swimming noodle or whatever they call them. Um, you know, so, any anything, again, I'll just go back to anything that's going to make you feel that little bit better, anything that's going to encourage you to stretch a little bit, you know, add a little bit of compression and tensioning through the, the system, is probably going to do more good than harm, provided that you don't get carried away with it. Remember, sorry, going back to. Um, early 90s, when I was first studying, and one of my neighbors was a, he's a librarian. He went, Oh, you know, I'm a librarian, you can take advantage of me and you know, let me know if there's anything I, I can get you. I, I went, Okay, well, let me get you some research papers. You know, can you do that? I went, yeah, no problem. And there were two papers that kind of, when I scanned the list, um, kind of jumped out, and both of them were massage induced death. I thought, that's something I'd better know about. Um, and I can't remember what the first paper was, but I think that was a manipulation through chiropractic or physiotherapy um, that was um, um, inappropriate on the neck. And the other one was uh, somebody had gone to the body shop and bought a one of the massage rollers, one of those kind of two-ball rollers, and they suffered neck pain. And so they sat um, in front of their TV just rolling the side of their neck Continuously, and it didn't mention how long they'd actually done it, but obviously long enough to wear through the wall of their um, artery and had just given themselves an, an embolism and died on the spot. Wow. So it's. These self-home tools are slightly. Other, you know, I've, I've never come across another example of it, but the self-home tools do. It's like, well, yes, this can be useful, but in moderation, and it's only one tool in the midst of, of all of the other things that could, could be done. And obviously, very few people are going to start foam rolling their, their neck these days. So thankfully, that's um that's a few and far between.
0: Um, what about like cupping? What do you what do you think about cupping?
1: I'm, yeah, that, that's another kind of uh, Facebook fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I think coming, kind coming of overlapping with acupuncture and it depends depends whose research papers you want to read and and value. Um, so yeah, there are those camps that was say acupuncture got absolutely no validity and should be can't be completely banned and every every needle should just be used for you know for injection sites or whatever. Um And I think it's the same with cupping. Um, There are those papers that come out that say that can or will never be um, um, efficacious. Um, And I go to the point of, well, where I would be interested in is can we adjust the amount of suction in the cup um, to be able to be specific to lifting layers? So I know overall it's kind of lifting tissue and then you can mobilize the tissue but what I would like to be able to do would be investigate, you know, can we put, you know, I, I don't know how suction is measured, but can we put, you know, six pounds of pressure or can we put eight pounds of pressure and can we put ten pounds of pressure and try and um, separate individual layers. So, you know, can I separate the the trapezius from the rhomboids then can I separate rhomboids from the suede's anterior and make sure that all of those layers are gliding. And so I think that's... That's what I see whenever I, I see cupping. So apart from all of the other you know, more um, traditional Chinese medicine kind of applications that, that might have on the, on, the, um, on the points and on, on the meridians. But um, I think it, would, it definitely will have the effect of separating lifting layers. And that's where I would see a lot of uh, fascial adhesions and fascial issues. And that's also kind of going back to the, um, the work with the Steccos. Uh, and the fascial manipulation, the, the fascial tissues that we I that probably emphasized more um, at the at the start was looking at the, the bags of muscles. But in between each layer and in between each bag, we have this loose connective tissue, and it needs to be really hydrated and mobile and allow uh, relative movement between each different section of the body. And sometimes that can get a little bit uh, dehydrated and kind of sticky, and so one of the one of the the kind of rules of multi-dimensional movement is to try and free that up, but that could maybe be accelerated by cupping. So I'm I'm intrigued, and I'm I'm just kind of staying neutral in terms of all the the fights that go on. I was like, I'm I was just I'll, I'll wait until you know see who's the the last man standing. Um, but you know, if I were to if I had the the freedom to kind of investigate. I would be investigating with maybe real-time ultrasound to see, you know, how deep do the, does the lifting effect go? I haven't. I just haven't come across the um, um, studies that looked at that.
0: No, I think you're probably the only one because I've asked that question to a couple of physiotherapists have been on my show and a chiropractor, um, and that was probably the best answer I got. Just like thinking of like different pounds of how much suction. Because the chiropractor that I work with, she loves cupping. She she has the glass cups with like a little gun that can actually like you can select how much suction you get, and then she also has silicone cups where the skin goes in, and then she can slide it back and forth on whatever extremity she's working at. But uh, yeah, that was really
1: good. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, it's particularly the sliding. I think um you know as I'm getting older, my hands are getting tired. Um, so if I can, if I can get that sliding effect that we tried to achieve with some of the kind of fascial manipulation, um, aspects, then, you know, that, I'm, that's, that's what kind of triggered me in, in another kind of investigation, hopefully sometime soon.
0: Yeah. And like the other one too, is like instrument assisted or like the rock blades. Like, do you think those are useful?
1: Um, yes, they can be in the right hands. Um, I find it interesting in the U S for example, that as a personal trainer, you you're not licensed to touch, yeah. But yet somehow you can you can start applying all of the kind of foam roller applications, and you can also maybe start sticking um your you know very evil looking sometimes um, pieces of stainless steel or surgical yeah. steel. Um, and that's that, that's, that's that 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 raises my eyebrows sometimes or furrows my eyebrows. Um, so. I go back to a a very early workshop I had with Dr. Professor who unfortunately passed away a few uh, weeks ago, Um, and he was asked the question in terms of trigger point tools, these little T-bars, and his answer, which I kind of ingrained, was I I believe in, in tools after 30 years of practice. If you've had 30 years of practice and can understand the feel of tissue, and know how to influence it with your hands, then by all means, start sticking tools in um, because you'll have that sensitivity. Um, and so I, 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 I answer your question with that bias that I think um, they have become a little, sometimes overly used, overly available. Um, and, and they can be vicious, they can be badly applied, and also, you know, with my a new bias, I also realized that they can be extremely sensitive because they actually can magnify some of the palpation that's of the, the tissue that, that you're working on. Um, so it's not, not just necessary to have the, have the palpation skills in your fingers. So sometimes the, the, uh, the tools can, can really help. And certainly they can help get to places that your hands can't quite reach. Um, but it's, you know, again, I just go back to it's, it's understanding the, the tone, understanding the anatomy. Where are you working? Why are you working there? And what effect do you need to to um, bring about for your clients?
0: Yeah, like as a personal trainer, like if you go onto the Rock Tapes website, like you can sign up for their Blades course. And in one day from like an eight-hour course, you're like legally allowed to put this piece of steel on someone's body and hope for the best. And it's kind of like... Like, I would love to take the course just to learn what they're teaching, but I wouldn't feel comfortable, like, the next, you know, Monday morning, all right, here we go, I'm going to start blading everybody, because who, who knows? Like, I don't know what, like, I don't know if someone had a bump, for example, I don't know the difference between if that's, like, a knot, or maybe a cancerous block thing, and I roll over it, and oh, it's gone, and now it's opened yeah. and spread to everything else. Like, it's it's a little scary. Yeah.
1: Um, yes. Yeah. The other I thing... Think, sorry, go on. No, go ahead. I, would, I was just going to say, I, I, yeah, the, I think we all have some ethical questions that, that we should ask ourselves in our own practice and also you know, reflect back to the, the, some of the suppliers.
0: Yeah, and the other question I wanted to bring up too is like a typical scenario sometimes I see in gyms is a client comes in, maybe they pulled their entire back out, And, you know, they kind of come to their trainer like, okay, I don't know what I'm going to be able to do. And the trainer decides to do like foam rolling on the entire back for the entire hour. But would that be like the best approach? Or maybe like you're actually feeding the system with even more stress and the person might feel good at the moment, but the moment they leave, they'll actually feel a little bit worse. So have you ever seen where maybe a soft tissue strategy that a trainer could do it would actually make an individual worse.
1: Of course. Um and I know it's you know, low back pain and low back spasm is kind com- of it's commonly mistreated, mishandled in massage therapy as well. It's like, oh, you know, you've got low back spasm, come in and lie down on my table and I'll work for fifty minutes and calm calmed on your spasm and then, you know, i I I put my hands up, I've, I've done it as well. It's like, okay, I've, I've released your spasm, I've re- reduced your pain. Now get up and they can't and um, because you know there was a reason for that spasm being there so absolutely it's it's incumbent on us to make sure that we're using appropriate um, strategies and um, not just kind of thinking i need to get you out of pain I need to get you relaxed i need to you know get that muscle spasm ease so yeah rather than going to the the foam rolling strategy I'd rather see you know personal trainers and um, trainers in the gym going okay well let's you know, let's check that it's safe for you to, you know, and appropriate for you to have this session, but let's see what movements I can get you doing rather than kind of trying to make it, trying to cross over into the therapy world. You know, don't necessarily know exactly what's going on in the, in the, in the back, what's the, what mechanics are, but if I give you safe and appropriate um, you know movements that's going to encourage and get encourage your sense of safety, encourage your your confidence in your movement. And it's like can I can I stick to my movement strategy rather than trying to become a, a secondary manual therapist for you? Um, I think it would be a, again the, the better ethical approach.
0: Perfect. Um, so maybe second last question because we're coming up to the time um now that you've been kind of all over the world presenting on everything that makes you excited about the industry what's kind of the one question that you always get and what's one question you wish people asked
1: you oh great question um i suppose that in i'm interested at the moment the common question i get whenever showing manual therapy with movement is, so the kind of the, what I call the active fascial release is how long does that last? You know, how long does the effect last? And I find it interesting that that's changed because whenever I show a table-based technique, I never got that question. It's like we you know we make a change in the the position of the the pelvis whenever working with the psoas and or the acus tension fascial or whatever. Few people ever asked how does that how long does that last? Whereas whenever we Actually, inform the rest of the system when doing the manual therapy in the position of movement. Because I would say is a more efficacious, um, more beneficial, more informative way to work. Um, it's, like, it's it's interesting that they don't people don't make that that jump. That actually we're helping the system recognise a new position. Because we're incorporating the mechanoreceptors, the proprioceptors, you know, and the whole system, and um, in that, in that, um, in that way. Um, so yeah, that's the, the question I'm, I'm getting at the moment. That's kind of been on my my, my mind. Um, and also, you know, there's there's no particular definite answer to it. It's like, well, it, it depends on the client, and um, depends where we worked, and depends on their you know the motivation for keeping it. I'm. Um, what question do I, do I wish I would get? Jeez. Um, hmm. Do you want to ask the next question and I can come back to that one?
0: Um, yeah, I get like, it, it's one of those open-ended questions. Cause I know like a lot of presenters that now are kind of in the point in their careers where they're always teaching. Sometimes they'll have like, Oh, I wish someone just asked me this cause they always kind of get those common ones. But uh, the last question was gonna ask you like where people can find you online and what projects you have coming out but uh if you can't think of anything, that's fine because like sometimes a lot of people don't even think about that you know what I mean
1: yeah um I suppose um, for me the the, the question that i've had in my mind probably 30 40 years is what why why are we bipedal and um, why 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 do we stand up and our cousins haven't and um, that's possibly been the and um, the question has driven me to some of the the writing some of the the style of teaching that i use i try to incorporate a lot of comparative anatomy so we look at you know some of the our Evolutionary ancestors, some of the chimp anatomy and monkey anatomy. Um, so that that's the that's the uh, kind of the intellectual area that excites me. Um, sure. And whereas most you know, people coming onto onto workshops is like, well, can I, give me the next technique? You know, how am I going to get people out of pain, or how can I get them to move that little bit more easily? And um, you know, and I'm fascinated by those stories as well. Um, but it's like, oh, you know, can you, can you ask me about Australopithecus afarensis, and you know, ask me about um, Pan troglodytes, and you know, the the difference between ironies knees and feet and and so forth. That's that's where I would. I know, that's probably more of a, a conversation over a pint of beer, um, rather than a workshop story. Because you know most of the most of the class would be nodding off. Um, but yeah, that's that, that's where my head has gone over the last uh, few years. To the extent of even just uh, I finished a, a master's degree um, in human evolutionary anatomy. Oh wow! So, uh, yeah, just you know for the fun of it. Um, and also kind of give me a little bit of street cred because standing at the the front of the room teaching anatomy and bodywork I you know I have no credentials after my name mm-hmm. um other than a few, you know a few um, bodywork trainings so at least now I have a I have a <laughs> an MSc for what it's worth but it actually give me very few therapy stories um, but give me lots of comparative anatomy stories but that, that just brings out the nerd in me
0: Perfect. Uh, So, very last question. If people wanted to find out more about you and what you do, where can they best reach you or find you online?
1: Sure. Um, Well, thank you for asking. For the Um, so, my website is borntowalk.com. So that's kind of just following on from the the title of the the book, um, where I try to kind of blend myofascial and skeletal anatomy together to answer my question of why why is it that we stood up. so all of the, the workshops and various bits pieces are on there. And obviously, um, I'm active sometimes on uh, Facebook and Instagram. So James Earl's were born to walk and even active fashion release um, on, on Facebook and, and Instagram. So just kind of a, a bit of a search and I should pop up.
0: Perfect. Thank you so much for your time. This was amazing.
1: Okay. Thanks very much, Rafael. Thanks. All right, all
0: right. So that's going to wrap up episode 186 with James. Hopefully you enjoyed that one and learned a thing or two. And at the end of every single show, I'm going to say these two things. Number one, click the show notes. Click the link to add me on Facebook so you can get more stuff in video and written format. And number two, share, share, share this podcast with your friends and family so I can grow this thing as big as possible to help as many people as possible. And I will be forever grateful. And I'm going to continue giving you the best fitness and health advice out there in the industry. That's it for me. Until next time, everyone, we'll see you soon.